0: A 25-year-old graduate student at Temple University, never been in trouble with the police, never committed a crime, all of a sudden is arrested for selling crack in North Philadelphia. A reverend in North Philadelphia is, who also has never been in trouble with the police is arrested for possession and attempted distribution of crack cocaine as she is sentenced to three to eight years in a maximum security prison in Pennsylvania. The trouble with this story is that neither one of these people was guilty of the crime that they were accused of. This is another edition of Bad Apple Backstories. Hi, everybody. This is Tulani. Welcome to episode two of season two of Lift Every Voice. These episodes are called Bad Apple Backstories. My name is Tulani, and I'll be walking you through one of these or two of these bad apple backstories. Again, from the city of Philadelphia. I am from Philadelphia. I live in Georgia now. I'm in Philadelphia. I mean, but the stories are from Philadelphia and um, we're going to get rolling. Remember how I said these bad apples are allowed to do what they do, or these so-called bad apples are allowed to do what they do until they wind up either killing somebody, um, and sometimes they're still even protected. Uh, we'll talk about that as we continue moving on. But they're allowed to terrorize our neighborhoods uh, for, for decades without the police doing anything to stop them. And as the complaints rack up and as the complaints continue to come in, sometimes these officers even get meritorious promotions and and recognition from law enforcement uh, leaders and, and officials. This is the story of uh, Arthur Colbert and Betty Patterson, both of Philadelphia. Well Arthur Colbert was a student at Temple University and he was basically going for a, a criminal justice a master's degree in criminal justice uh, I believe at Temple University but on February 24th which is almost the uh, almost the anniversary of that February 24th of 1991 Baird was driving through North Philadelphia because he had met a young lady and he was going to take her on a date. But because he was not from Philadelphia, he was driving around looking for her house. The police officers decided to, to target him. They stopped his car. Uh, and the, 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 the news media called these officers rogue officers. However, I do not believe that they are rogue officers. I believe that they are the standard for policing, not just in Philadelphia, but in every other major city in the United States. I am not saying that all police officers are bad. However, I am also not saying that most police officers are good. That's what we hear too often, that there's a few bad apples and most police officers are good. I don't believe that to be true. So I'm not saying that they're all bad. And I'm also not saying that most of them are good uh, because, in our community in communities of color the opposite has been proven that most police officers if they are not themselves horrible police officers they protect the officers who they also who they know are terrorizing our communities So Arthur Colbert is dragged out of his car snatched off the street by the Philadelphia police officer and they And they took him to an abandoned building. That was this officer, Jack Baird, and his partner. They took him to an abandoned building in North Philadelphia, an abandoned row home, where they beat him, accused him of selling cocaine, and shoved a cocked gun into his face before they subsequently took him down to the police station and booked him as a a cocaine trafficker. The next morning, Arthur Colbert confidently marched into the 39th District Building, told his story. And here's the thing that made it different this time, because this officer Baird, over his career, and he he was a 14-year veteran of the Philadelphia Police Department, over his career, he had racked up over 20, somewhere around 23 uh, complaints but the same officer was 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 called a tremendous asset to the squad with a valuable knowledge of the job that that's what he was uh, that that's what was said of him by his by his supervisors that so i remember reading about this uh reading about this in uh, 1995 uh, an article in the Philadelphia Enquirer and in that article, if I remember correctly, Arthur Colbert was talking about he, he he talked about what he was thinking at that time when these police officers had dragged him into this abandoned building they beat on him, cocked a gun and put it to his head. And in my last and in the last uh, bad apple podcast I I asked the question what does it make you feel? when you're dragged out of your out of your car or out of your home slammed on the ground and the police put a gun in your face or or cock a gun and put it to your head you know how does that how does that terrorism make you feel how how does how do you deal with that trauma cuz that's a traumatic event so this is a traumatic event for a young man who's never been in trouble with the police and and Let's note that he is a young man who is doing the things that America told him he needed to do in order to be successful. He stayed out of trouble, kept his nose clean, uh, got a, was getting a good education, was planning to go into criminal justice. And as we continue with this podcast, I think I'm going to try to get in touch with Mr. Colbert uh, these days and find out how that traumatic event impacted his life. And did he still go? Follow you know did he still pursue uh, work in in criminal justice or in criminal justice reform perhaps uh, it would be interesting to hear from him uh, about uh, about where he is today uh, in relation to the trauma that he faced on that particular day but he mentioned that he thought about his parents how his parents brought him up and how he was he was away from home because he was not from Pennsylvania but how he did not want to wind up. Dead in an abandoned building in Philadelphia, and his parents getting the news that he was shot and killed in some drug deal going bad. Because that may be what the police officers wound up saying—that it was some kind of drug deal going bad, or he pulled a gun on them, or he tried to take their gun, or reach for their gun, or something like that. Because uh, that's what they always say when they when they when they fashion their lie, um, so that the public will. Uh, so that the public will allow them to continue uh, to continue terrorizing the neighborhoods. They claim that black men tried to reach for their gun or tried to grab their gun or tried to grab their taser or whatever. And I think Arthur Colbert was concerned that something like that might happen to him, and he didn't want that to happen to him. So he he did acquiesce. He did go along with what they said to do. But the next day, he strolled into the 39th police district, made his complaint. And this particular complaint got more juice because the FBI got involved. This may have never been busted until the FBI got involved in this particular case. And what they discovered was, was, was really tough. For the the 39th district, because what they discovered was that it wasn't just James Baird, but it was all of these other officers who were who were eventually found guilty of stealing money from residents, um, planting evidence, planting drugs on people. Uh, There were a number of cases that were overturned, um, and one of them was the Reverend Betty Patterson, who This 39th District police squad believed that Betty Patterson's sons were drug dealers, but they couldn't catch them. So their scheme was they were going to plant drugs in Betty Patterson's home, which they did, and they arrested Betty Patterson and... and, They assumed that her sons would come forward and claim that the drugs were theirs so that their mom could get off the hook, but that never happened. Uh, One of the reasons was the sons didn't have any drugs in their mother's home, so they knew that the drugs were not theirs. And there may may have been some other reasons why they didn't come forward, but nevertheless... They did not come forward and get their mom out of that trouble. Betty Patterson was eventually tried and convicted for cocaine, for uh, cocaine trafficking or the attempt to traffic in cocaine. She was sentenced to three to eight years in a maximum security uh, facility in Muncie, Pennsylvania, maximum security prison. And in Pennsylvania, when they give you a, when they give you a three to eight that means in 3 years you're eligible for parole. Now, parole is not a guarantee, but that means that in 3 years you can actually petition for parole and you might be able to get out and you're still in the custody of the of the police department, but I mean of the criminal system, but you're able to serve your time at home where you have to follow the dictates of the parole department where they demand that you have a you have to have a job, you have to have a a parole plan, which involves a, a solid, stable address. Um, and just like your cell in prison, the parole officer does not need to have a warrant to go into, to come into your home when you're on parole. So you may be living with your sister or your aunt or your cousin or your mother or your friend. Um, and what they need to know is that the police do not need to have a warrant to search their home because you're on parole. So they treat, they treat that person's home like it's your prison cell. And just like the the prison system doesn't need permission to come in or they know they don't need a warrant to come in and search your cell when you're on parole and you're living with a loved one, your loved one's home is your new prison cell. They don't need a warrant to come in and search your home anyway. Um, so Betty Patterson was let out on parole when this story broke. So she had already served 3 years in prison and was out on parole when this major story broke where these police officers were now busted for for framing people. And lo and behold, they start once they started getting in trouble, they started snitching on each other. That's how they Betty Patterson's attorneys found out that they planted evidence at Betty Patterson's house and why. And unfortunately for for Betty Patterson and for the taxpayers of Philadelphia, Betty Patterson, who, when she was arrested, she was a 55-year-old grandmother. So again... Uh, Betty Patterson was not a 20-something young woman when Betty Patterson, who, again, had never been in trouble with the police, when she was framed by the Philadelphia Police Department, she was a 55-year-old grandmother at that time. So think about that for a minute. So she went to prison, spent three years in prison, was out on parole when that story broke. And now, uh, at that point, they're trying to figure out how to make Betty Patterson's life whole. Betty Patterson actually wound up suing um, the state or the city of Philadelphia and we'll talk more about that later uh, I believe Arthur Colbert also sued the city of Philadelphia and a number of other people who were exonerated because of these so-called bad apples I, I think a number of them wound up suing the city also and we'll talk more about uh, about what those lawsuits garnered for the uh, for the, de- for the um, plaintiffs in one particular case, there was a there was an innocent African American woman who this Jack Baird, they called him Blondie on the street because of his blonde hair and his blonde mustache. But this Jack Baird went into this woman's home and stole three thousand one hundred and twenty dollars that she had hidden under her mattress. Just took it. And as the woman cried and protested, Jack Baird reminded her that there was nothing that she could do. She just, he just stole her money. In another case, Jack Baird, uh, uh, there was a man who just stood by and watched silently as this particular cop just smashed his furniture with a sledgehammer. So those, those incidents are, are incidents of terrorism. I, con- I will continue to use the word terrorism as we continue to do these podcasts on chronic unresolved racial trauma. That's the result of these bad apples. Uh, this is Bad Apple Backstories. It is my second season of Lift Every Voice. I am lifting my voice at this point to speak about the bad apples in our police departments throughout the United States. You have a bad apple backstory. In your city, because what you know is the same thing that I know, that that app that that bad apple that winds up in the news is not the only one in your in your municipal police department. He's just not the only one in your state police. You know, you know that they're not the only one. Some of the evidence. If we pay close attention to how police behave, we'll notice the the tactics that they take. Because um, we'll speak about the so-called bad apples in the Amadou Diallo case, out of uh, out of New York. Amadou Diallo was uh, was a was a Haitian man, I believe. I'll clear that up uh, in my next in my next podcast. But I believe Amadou Diallo was Haitian, and he was in New York, and the police picked him up one night. And they took him to the police station where they beat him and sodomized him with a mop handle. I'm sure that that hurt. I'm sure that Mr. Duallo, if he was not gagged while he was bound, that Mr. Duallo was protesting. And I'm sure that they may have been some screaming because they're beating him up and they're sodomizing him with a broom handle. And he wound up in the hospital because they punctured his intestine. That's how far they shoved the broom handle up into his area. They punctured his intestine and he wound up in the hospital. And those officers were those officers were subsequently busted. But the point I'm making is they didn't take him to an abandoned building. They, they took him to the police precinct. Now, let's think about what we know from, about police precinct. Now, you may have never been to one, but I bet you you've seen one on the news and there, or, or, or on a television show that you may watch, like Law & Order or some other TV show. And what you notice is when they show the police department, there's always there's a sergeant in there. There's lieutenant somebody. There's a captain somebody. There's inspector so-and-so. So there's leadership. In the police department, right? So it's not just the patrol officers walking around in there. There are supervisors, sergeant so and so, lieutenant something something, captain so and so, all up in the police department. And so let's assume that all of those that all of those positions were being filled in the police department in the police precinct where those officers felt safe to took to take Amadou Diallo. So my point here is that they felt safe enough, to the bad apples, felt safe enough to take him in the bastion of the good apples, where all of these good apples are. They took him in there. They beat him nearly to death, sodomized him with a broom handle. And I'm sure he was protesting and screaming. But what those police officers knew was that none of the so-called good apples would lift a finger to stop what they were doing or to help Amadou Duallo. That's what they knew. They didn't guess. They were not guessing that that's what was going to happen. They knew that they could take him back to the police precinct, that they could do literally anything they wanted to do to him, and that everybody in that police precinct would not just ignore them, but that they would protect them. And so that's exactly what happened, until the story broke, and then what we got was another story about bad apples. So we'll talk more about Amadou Diawalo's story uh, in probably in our next episode of Bad Apple Backstories. Uh, I just had a you know I just had a brain I just had a brain. Uh, brain cell fire, and that story happened in my head while I was talking about what happened with Arthur Colbert and Betty Patterson, and why those police officers felt so comfortable doing what they did to both of those people uh, in 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 the in Philadelphia in the 39th police district. So subsequently, there were five. Former police officers who were sentenced um, to terms ranging from ten months to thirteen years for fabricating evidence um, against drug suspects and stealing their money. Um, all five officers uh, worked for the um, 39th police district, and they all pleaded guilty in in return for their cooperation. Um, with the ongoing investigation, that's how they wound up snitching on each other about what happened to Betty Patterson. Had Arthur Colbert never had the courage to walk into the 39th District Police Station and make his complaint, Betty Patterson would have had to serve out the rest of her term on parole uh, in in Pennsylvania. Uh, And she would have been still... Uh, listed as a a convicted felon, as a drug dealer. A 55-year-old African-American grandmother who never was a drug dealer, who never had any involvement with the police department, actually wound up being convicted of drug trafficking because the police made it happen. The other part of this story is how easy it is for people of for 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 our for the city for our community for society at large to believe the lies of these corrupt terrorists that work in our uh, municipal police department how easy it is for the public to believe their lies and i believe It's easy for those lies, for for, for the public to believe those lies, because because of who the lies are being told about. I believe that if there was a 55-year-old white grandmother who never, ever had any trouble with police, ever, at all, was suddenly arrested for being a crack dealer, I don't believe that she ever would have made it even to court because as a society, that story sounds ridiculous. And my point here is that it sounds just as ridiculous if it's Betty Patterson or any other 55-year-old African-American grandmother who's never, ever been in trouble with the police, all of a sudden just starts selling crack. It should sound bizarre to all of us, but it doesn't because of who we are, because she was Black. So these officers were convicted, and um, John Baird, also known as Jack Baird, also known as Blondie on the street. Um, he was the so-called ringleader. Um, and he, he was 41 at the time. He received a 13-year prison sentence for the stuff that he did. James Ryan, he received a six-year sentence. Uh, he was another one of those police officers. Thomas DiGavani, Uh, He received a seven-year sentence. Stephen Brown received a 10-year sentence. And Thomas Ryan, um, no relative of James Ryan, he was sentenced to 10 months. Uh, But there was another former officer um, who pleaded guilty of corruption, Louis Mayer. Um, And he was sentenced to five years in prison. The officers actually admitted to terrorizing and robbing drug users and innocent citizens between 1987 and 1994. In some cases, they admitted to literally breaking into the homes and stealing drugs and cash for those who they suspected were drug dealers. Ultimately, in this case, there were about eight police officers who were subsequently convicted, sent to the slammer. Well, that's it for now. This is Tulani. This has been another episode of Lift Every Voice, Season 2, Episode 2. We're focusing on bad Apple backstories, those stories of police terrorism in your community if you have Bad Apple Backstories, and I know they happen in every major city in the United States where people of color dwell, if you've got Bad Apple Backstories, send them to me. I've got a hashtag on Instagram. Hashtag Bad Apple Backstories. If you've got some, send me yours. I will be glad to cover them. And listen, this is not this is not a court of law. You could just tell me your story. If you know the police officers' names, you can give me those, too. Um, and I will do what I need to do legally to say alleged uh, and but you don't have to uh, this doesn't have to be a court case maybe it never was a court case it's just your story and you'd like to get it out so if you got a bad apple backstory, get it to me and I will try to find a way to reach out to you and we may put it on the air we may talk about it maybe we'll even interview you maybe you'll get to tell your story on our podcast Lift Every Voice bad apple backstories this is tulani we'll see you next week